You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So it's a pretty weird day today. Not that you need to know any of this information, but when do I ever leave you out of the loop of irrelevant information about my life? Um, I'm going to be recording for the next 20 minutes or so, and then I have to do a... Um, I'm jumping on a Bears podcast. I have one tonight, one Thursday, and one Friday. I didn't realize I've been on so many Bears podcasts, but I have. Um, the Bear Report, I believe they're still in my podcast network, but I'm not even sure who's in that network anymore, to be completely honest with you. it's There's so much going on. Good things, big things, but everything's getting kind of lost in the fray. But I believe that's where I work with them. And then there were two others um, that I've worked with in the past. All of them I've had a ton of fun with. The Barroom Network and Da Bears Essentials podcast. Um, all three of them are, are really cool, and I definitely remember working with them. And it's, it's always a lot of fun. I like being on other people's podcasts. I, I feel like when I have people on, it's always kind of, it's fine, but um, it's not my strength. But I really like being on other people's podcasts. I don't know that I get a ton from it in terms of like people come over to my show, but I like to do it. But anyways, um, I actually use my calendar for like the first time ever because I feel like it's something that I should do just to get that reminder so that it's not like, hey, are you going to join us? And I haven't even, I'm not home or something crazy. So I got those all scheduled out trying to be professional. So I'm, I'm a little scattered because I'm trying to halfway prepare for making sure I understand the bears, but also it's seven o'clock at night and, um, it's going to be real late by the time this podcast gets done. I wanted to start at 6, but I was on the phone, and then my wife and daughter took the dog, and so I had to babysit, and it was uh, it's going to be a late night, which is not my favorite thing in the world. Anyways, um, on the docket today, a couple different things. Um, I did elicit the Patreon crowd. I think I'm going to start with that because I want to make sure I get all that in, and if it takes the whole show, it takes the whole show because there isn't anything super pressing. However... We probably should talk about a little bit of news. First of all, it was a little bit funny to nail the John Gruden thing on the podcast, to be like, I don't know the contents of these emails, but I have a feeling he's going to be gone. And then <laughs> he was, like, within an hour of me hitting publish, he was gone. The other, well, not to say there was a good thing that came out of it, but the the revelation that I had, and I'm going to try to not bring this up on the Bears podcast, because I try to be, I try to be nice, you know what I mean? I don't really go at people. It's a civilized thing, and uh, there are Bears fans that listen to this podcast, so maybe they'll want to come over and you ease them in a little bit, show them a little bit of respect, and then then that one day when you go off on a tirade about Justin Fields, they're like, he's an idiot, but you know he's a good guy. I'll I'll let that slide. That's the goal, anyways. 
But there was a tidbit of news, and I've had a lot of people reach out and ask me my opinion on it, and my retort is, and which is probably going to be my retort from now on because just busyness is, um, is a thing. So don't be offended when I say this sentence to you. It's just a thing. Um, rather than immediately looking it up and getting you an immediate answer on the spot, my answer when you say, you know, what does PFF say about this guy or what are your opinions on this is something to the effect of you'll find out tomorrow on the podcast. And I, I usually don't say that sentence because it sounds a lot meaner than it is intending to. But what I really mean is I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I'll do that homework when I have to go downstairs and do the podcast and do my homework. And then, you know, I, I won't message you like while I'm doing the podcast. So, you, you know, you'll find out tomorrow, I guess. Not in a mean way, in a, in a very nice, friendly way. But the Packers did sign cornerback Quentin Dunbar to their practice squad. Um, there's a lot of questions about that. Mostly, what do we know about Quentin Dunbar? Shout out, by the way, to Mr. J.J. Leahy for reminding me of a pretty severe incident that took place, and I forgot that Dunbar was a part of it. Um, it's a very serious crime, and I, I maybe he wrote it here. I didn't. Re- let me read what he sent me first, and then... You know, I want to pretend that I didn't just skim it and then I read the whole thing. So if it didn't get addressed, I'll, I'll bring it up. But um, So here's what happened. Seahawks' Quinton Dunbar and Giants' DeAndre Baker were allegedly involved in an armed robbery. Then all five witnesses recanted their testimonies. Allegations of paying the witnesses off were floated, but no evidence. Dunbar was freed upon a lack of evidence while Baker was charged with the robbery. This is a quote now. Dunbar and Baker, both South Florida natives, were arrested on suspicion they stole jewelry and money from people at gunpoint at a house party in Miramar. Miramar police detectives believe the robbery was retaliation for $70,000 in gambling losses from a party the night before. Um, I have been doing a terrible job of uploading my podcasts to get them transcribed. Otherwise, I would look up the... the, Let me just look it up because maybe it was... Maybe I did talk about it. Let me see if I can find it. Found it. <laughs> the episode is called Be Glad We Aren't the Seahawks. <laughs> so this is probably unnecessary, but I do pay for this service and I never utilize it. So uh, here's me talking about this exact story. This is referencing the cornerback that we just picked up and put on our practice squad. And it was a little bit more fresh at the time, so maybe it'll, maybe it's relevant for me to refer back to myself on the day that it happened. Apparently... Giants cornerback, along with now Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, didn't say the guy's name, have been charged with four counts of armed robbery, along with four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. One witness says that Dunbar and Baker lost about $70,000 at a party a few days earlier. Now, I don't know if that means they're playing, you know, poker and lost it straight up, and then got mad and went and robbed these exact same people, or maybe different people, just because, hey, we lost money, let's go recoup some. I'm guessing, though, this means that they had people over, suspected that $70,000 was stolen from them, and went to go take care of it themselves. That's my guess. I don't know. If if there's been new confirming information or, or whatever in terms of what has actually happened, I don't know. But that's my assumption. The thing that I don't get is how you could be so stupid as to do something like this. And I know, they've been saying since like the 70s, you got to have a little bit of a weird temperament to be a football player, right? Sort of ball bar brawling types. Got a little bit of an edge to you. But it's one thing to be at a bar drinking and some guy says something to you 
and you unnecessarily haul off and just bust him right in his mouth, and an entirely other thing to create a situation in which you are throwing your entire life away. There is a report that DeAndre Baker, who is a brand spanking new cornerback, horrific cornerback, by the way, and see, I told you all you needed to draft a corner. Been saying that in my mattress for a while. Allegedly, DeAndre Baker told one of the armed men to shoot someone. Now, maybe he just said it to scare people, and maybe these guns didn't, weren't even loaded, and the whole thing was, hey, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna try to scare them, make sure you don't shoot anybody. I don't know. But allegedly, had he done it, Baker would be facing life in prison or possibly the death penalty just for giving the order. I know it's not the cool thing to do. And I know you're all big and bad and it's it's against some kind of stupid freaking code. But if somebody stole 70 grand from you, call the cops. What are you going to do, lose street cred? So I'm going to I'm going to stop it there. I I I actually recorded a lot and then deleted a bunch of it. Um if you're a fan of rants, very very angry rants about random things like SUVs and bumper stickers, um, this might be the OG of uh, the bumper sticker rants. It's uh, episode 776. Be glad we aren't the Seahawks. See if you can find it. If you can't, I'll try to I'll try to hook you up. But um, it's right at the beginning of the podcast. You don't even have, this is the first thing I talk about. Um, I thought about keeping it all in, but I people that aren't into it that are maybe new to the show are like, what is happening right now? Um, but the point is, I mean, the the, the bigger reason that I kind of wanted to keep it all in and everything is. I was very upset that somebody would be so stupid as to do something like this. And that, you know, I'm surprised the Packers did it. Uh, that is bringing Dunbar in. No, I mean, technically everything got dropped and he's saying mm-hmm. I, hey, I wasn't there and whatever. So I guess, I guess we just believe him. That's fine. Definitely sounds like he was there, though. But that's, that's pretty serious. I mean, it's not, it's not a joke. I mean, people that are willing to throw their entire lives away by bringing loaded guns into people's houses, pointing them at people. Apparently, DeAndre Baker, who was a rookie, you know, like, what, 21 years old, is telling people shoot him? <sighs> Anyways, so that's, uh, that's, that's that. As far as his uh, playability, though, Dunbar was uh, 6'2", 197. He was an undrafted free agent by the Washington uh, football team in 2015. Um he had a really good 2019 season. Seattle picked him up in 2020, which is when all this stuff happened, and he had an absolutely terrible year. Now, maybe some of the stuff going on off the field is part of the reason, but 2019 was also an anomaly. So let's say we throw out 2019 and 2020. What was he? Well, 63, 61, 74, 66. He's so-so. I mean, it's it's really no different than... Um, uh, bringing in Razul Douglas, to be completely honest. By the way, it looks like he's actually a cardinal, or at least he was he was a cardinal before when we signed him or whatever. But he didn't take any snaps with the Cardinals. But if I if I had to pick who was going to be a better player between Quentin Dunbar and Razul Douglas, I don't know that my answer wouldn't be Razul Douglas. I know that's probably not conventional wisdom, and that's probably not what a lot of people are thinking. They're remembering 2019 Washington Quentin Dunbar. Um, what were his stats here? 52 targets, 29 receptions, 344 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions, four pass breakups, 56.9 passer rating when targeted. That's probably what sticks out in a lot of people's minds, including the Packers when they decided to take a flyer on him. But um, I think I think it's a very similar thing to, again, bringing in Rosal Douglas and, and Isaac Yadam for that matter. They're bringing in, 
And they're, they're bringing in guys that have a high level of potential. You know, uh, Yadam was a lot like Josh Jackson. Really, really highly touted. Never really quite panned out the way everybody wanted, but maybe there's something there. Maybe a change of scenery will make things better, you know? Does this point to Jair being done? No, not necessarily. It points to us having serious problems with depth at corner and the potential that Jair could be done. But um, I think if there was anything definitive, we would know about it. And we don't. We don't know that anything is definitive right now. All right. Well, that interview is done. I'm back. Short and sweet. All right. So that is done. Uh, I don't think there's any other things other than Quentin Dunbar. I mean, I kind of feel bad completely disparaging the guy that's now a Green Bay Packer and potentially is going to help us get to where we need to be. But I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. You know, I mean, it would be like me working so hard to get this podcast where I want it to be, finally getting it to where I want it to be, quitting my job, cutting all my other ties, and coming on here and just going on like a John Gruden tirade or something, you know, and just getting, <laughs> just getting canceled. It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Why would you just throw it all away when you finally got what you, I don't, I'll never understand. I mean, sometimes you make mistakes, but that's not a mistake. That's premeditated. You came up with a plan. Like you sat down and you, there's a rational part of your brain that was at work, that was, that was working with a group of other football players, or at least one that also made it and is rich and is going to have a great future. And you two guys put the best of your analytical capabilities together as to how to better your life. And the solution was, let's get guns and ski masks, or maybe not even because they obviously knew who you were, kick down their door, stick guns in their faces, threaten to kill them, and then steal $70,000 worth of their stuff and hope it doesn't impact our NFL careers when they call the police and say, yeah, I know who it was because I just played cards with them earlier today. That's the best your brain can come up with on how to better your life? Have you heard of a Roth IRA? I mean, it doesn't have $70,000 a night return, but I think over 10, 20 years, you probably got a better result. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. By the way, shout out to Roger Davis for upping his pledge once again. Wanted to say thank you, but on my phone, it's dumb. Patreon is dumb on my phone, and I see it now, so I'm going to thank you right now, right here. Also, if I didn't say it, thank you to Philip Jones. We'll just do that now. We're not taking a break, but we'll just do that right now. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. Let's get to the questions. Master Douglas says, what do you think is the difference between this year and last year for drop in red zone performance on the offense and defense? It's, I mean, it's almost impossible to explain such a stark difference. I mean, I, I can get us halfway there. I can't explain the whole thing other than, you know, throwing out limited sample size and, you know, law of averages or some kind of weird thing. I, I, I don't know. But first of all, again, there's clearly rhythm issues on offense, not including Devontae. Aaron and Devontae are, are in sync, right? Maybe not as much in the red zone, but but they're, they're kind of there. Um, but again, that Randall Cobb thing, it just, he should have let the ball fly and he didn't. So there's certain things where Rodgers is just not quite in sync. And, and, and I think that is a big part, especially in the red zone. I mean, if you release the ball three seconds late to a receiver that's just running open, you can do that. You have to be, boom, on time in the red zone. And I think when you're in sync, like they were last year, you can get away, you, you can have a really high efficiency. Or think about back in the day when we had Jordy and Randall. And um, I mean, that's really all you need because those two guys in the red zone were absolutely unstoppable because they had a literal mind meld with Aaron Rodgers. 
think that's a big part of it. There's also been some poor play calling. I think Lafleur has even called himself out on that. So they they just they got to hone it. It I I don't know why it's so bad, but it's everything that I can think of in terms of why it's bad should get better because it's literally the same team that it was last year, which was the best team, um, not only in the NFL but for a long time. You followed that up with, do you think it's the O line even though they've performed well? I th- I think that's a that could get us another. 10% of the way there, to be honest, because kind of like I talked about before, um, you have to do certain things to protect your quarterback in those situations, and that may alter. For example, if we had a really strong offensive line, your entire playbook is open because you got five guys that block, and that's it. If you have to keep that in mind, in other words, maybe we keep back a running back, maybe we keep in a tight end, maybe we got this guy chipping or this, you know, whatever, or we're really worried about rhythm and timing or we're going to design rollouts just to get you out of this space, which really just means you got one guy to throw to and that's it. You know what I mean? It, it, it does kind of take some things out of your playbook and limit what you're able to do. Could get us another 10% of the way there. We're brainstorming now. I like it. Douglas also goes on to say, what is Preston Smith eating and can I have some, please? Preston Smith is absolutely going nuts. And uh, let me see. I doubt his DMs are open, but I'll ask him for you. All right. I just shot him a, a tweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm cracking up because so many people are going to see that tweet and be like, what is this idiot talking about? And you got to understand that is literally my style of humor, where I'm laughing and the whole world is looking at me like, this guy's an idiot. What does that even mean? Nobody knows what that means. I know. It's my joke. It's for me. Well, JJ liked it. He probably saw your question, though. He's cheating. I'll let you know if we get a response on that. We'll see what Preston has to say. Uh, Douglas also goes on to say, I really, really, really want us to still add an explosive wide receiver. I was hoping to draft Tony from Florida, but anywho, just a dream of mine. I know they are rare. We can see what Aaron Jones does at times with his explosiveness. So first of all, and I promise you, I don't know the answer to this. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just, I'm legitimately curious how he's doing. Oh, dang. So um, first four games were terrible. Week five, when he had... um, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards, 92 overall grade. Brings him to an average of 74.2 overall. So gives you a little hope for Amari, doesn't it? Because they're kind of similar guys. Sort of that yard after the catch kind of stuff. He's been zero production and then all of a sudden just blows up. Anyways, I was just curious. Um, I, the, the interesting thing about that is the Packers are very open to what they are concerned about. Not that they're telling us directly via press conferences or anything, but look what they're doing in free agency. Um, they're going all out at cornerback, right? They did go out and get a linebacker. I tend to think that that was more just uh, an opportunity, but we've added now two different corners. They're concerned about it. And they've always kind of done that. I mean, you can't always tell when it's just kind of onesie twosie throughout the season. We picked up this guy, dropped this guy. But when it's specifically injury related and we're getting veterans and it's back to back and it's guys that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to pick up because of character concerns or whatever, it's starting to feel further from let's just see what he can do and closer to desperation mode and one thing we know about the Packers is they're never concerned about the wide receivers ever and and I think that's fair too I know we we miss our guys and we want uh, MVS back and if he can't be back we want somebody better than MVS which is fine but there's nobody that's better than MVS that's just sitting out there for us to pick up right now um, and we have Devontae and again Lazard is you know they'll pick it up one of these guys is about to have a really big game, and it could very well be this week. It's kind of staggering that they haven't so far. We had Randall had one big day. Somebody's Lazard is due for a big day, especially if we get a couple offensive linemen back. If Elton Jenkins is back, 
and uh, Josh Myers is back, maybe he gets a little bit less blocking duty and can go out and run a few routes. Maybe he'll have his big day. Ken Wayne says, it's great to hear the Go Pack Go chant so loud on an away game. I actually, I was wondering about that because I was hearing a lot of noise when the Bengals had the ball. Now, I knew some of it was Packer fans, but there was also a good amount of, I saw Bengals fans. I don't know if the Packers fans were just like getting inside their head or like tricking them or whatever, because they heard noise and they're like, oh, I'll cheer too. And it's like, they didn't realize they were supposed to be quiet. I saw them get up and like start clapping when they were on offense. Like, glad we're not the only ones that do that. That's great. Um, but I couldn't really tell to what extent. And, and there was one point I heard something that I thought might have been a go pack go, but it was hard to tell. So good to get confirmation on that. Mr. Jorgen Steinholt says, do kickers usually have a steep drop-off in performance, or is it likely that last game was just one-off and a rare bad day for Crosby? So that is a big concern of mine, because the last time we saw him do this, he got way up in his own head and basically was terrible the rest of the year, was on the verge of getting cut. They brought in some guys. He won the kicking competition the next year, like hands down, just dominated, and they kind of rolled the dice and were like, well... I mean, he won, so I guess we'll hopefully that carries on into the regular season, and it did, and he's gone on to have a great career. That was a very long time ago. I'm hoping because now that he's a veteran, it was kind of cool that he was able to talk to the other kicker who's a young guy that also struggled to be able to kind of just talk to him and be like, look, this stuff happens because he knows. He also probably knows he's kind of at the end of his career, and he's not as worried about, I, I, I'm, in, I'm doomed if I don't fix this. Like, dude, I've been doing this forever. I know what I'm doing. I know sometimes stuff happens. It's kind of weird, glitchy little things, and... I'm just going to go out and play football like I was. I'm hoping that he's just matured to that point where he can do that. But it, there is some concern that we're going to have some problems with Mason this year. Just because when you have really bad days like that, it can stick with you. Uh, Goose, kind of with a similar question to an earlier one. Do you think the depleted offensive line is keeping the offense vanilla? We, uh, when we get Bach, Jenkins, and Myers back, could we see the offense fully bloom? Yes. And I'll just leave it at yes because I think that's the third time I've kind of touched on that topic. But Yes. Aaron says, do you think the team is closer to its ceiling or its floor? I would say ceiling for sure. I mean, they've got a ways to go, but I mean, we've seen this team at their floor and they've won four in a row, right? With, with depleted people. And we've seen some great greatness from Aaron Rodgers. We've seen Devontae play better than he ever has. We've seen Aaron Jones play well. We've seen AJ Dillon play well. We've seen a depleted offensive line rise to the occasion. We've seen Mercedes Lewis get involved and Tunyon get involved and Lazard blocking and uh, Randall Cobb go off. We've seen Stokes perform. We've seen King play at one of the better games that he's had in a while. We've seen the safeties get involved. We've got a better linebacker than we've had in a very long time. Uh, Kenny's been playing really well. Kiki had a really good game a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, they've got room to grow and they need to get better is my current stance. And I think they know that. They, They know that they're not where they need to be. But closer to floor or ceiling, ceiling. Roger, Mr. Roger Davis, says, if my memory serves me correctly, the pack went through a string of injuries early in the last Super Bowl winning season. Could the current injury bug lead to added depth? Also, that was a six-loss season, and we didn't win the North but had depth. Okay, so you just got me really excited when you said that because it started, my synapses started firing all over the place. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but it doesn't matter. I got all kinds of things floating around. Here's... The thought, you're right, that did happen. Um, it was a team that, to my recollection, was basically not considered, was probably not going to make it into the playoff. They had to have a lot of things go right, including winning a bunch of games and having some teams lose. And even if they got in, they weren't good enough to actually go anywhere. 
that was sort of the prevailing thought by me and a lot of Packer fans and pretty much everybody. There were a bunch of injuries, and not only did guys step up and have to fill those roles, similar to what we're seeing with our offensive line, for example, but they shined. They specifically helped us win um, deep into the playoffs and, as a result, got more playing time in the future and went on to have really good careers. I'm, I'm, I can never exactly remember who these people are, and I could throw out some names, but I'm going to end up getting it wrong. I want to say like Shield or something, but I know I'm probably wrong, but it's something like that. And I'm, again, I'm not going to look it up because I, you know, it's getting late. You go look it up for once. Make me do everything around here. You don't have to look it up. <laughs> Most Packer fans have memories where it's just like, it's all just burned in their brain and they think I'm an idiot because I don't remember. Maybe I am. I don't know. Even though I've looked it up 19 times because I keep referring back to it. I'm like, who was that? And it's like, oh yeah. And then I'll forget tomorrow too. But here's the other thing. We won that year. We don't win any other year, right? All these other 2011, we were a better football team. We didn't win. 2014, probably a better football team. Didn't win. 2019, 2020, well, we'll see what happens in 2021. Lots of really good years. What did we have that year? We had the grit factor, the find a way to dig deep and thrive, survive, whatever it takes. Win big, win ugly, win however you got to win. And that started prior to the playoffs, when they were basically counted out by everybody, they go on a, 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 an absolute tear on a win streak and start beating everybody. And again, injuries rise up, and what do they do? They, they buckle down, and they overcome. They embrace the fact that football is hard, and not everything's going to be perfect, and we got to play to the very last breath. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the Packers have. That's what they need to win a Super Bowl this year. Now again, talent's got to go up. But that's a great point, and I haven't really thought about it in those terms, but maybe that is the key component. That's the reason they won that year and not all these other years, even though they've been better all these other years. Because all these other years, it's a matter of they win because they're better, but they also lose because they're better, and they don't know how to overcome these massive kinds of adversity when everything's going wrong. And that's everybody, from Aaron Rodgers to the offensive line to the coaching staff, to not panic, to keep your keep your head on straight, you know, just just grind through it, and we're going to be okay. We're going to win the game. I think these these most recent wins have been so critically important to prove to them that if we stick together, if we don't panic, if we don't, you know, so they, they win up a score, and we haven't been able to get a first down, and, and everything's going wrong, and this is not how we pictured it. This is not how we saw it, but we're going to come through on the other side. We're going to keep grinding. We are the better team. We will succeed. We will prevail, and they have. I think that's incredibly valuable. Like you said, we had depth, we got hot at the right time. Absolutely true. Depth, getting hot at the right time. But again, you got to have that factor. You got to have the grit factor, the ability to win four quarters, right? That's Again, that's the thing Tom Brady has always had. That dude will never stop. He will. Ne- it doesn't matter how bad they're down. He plays at 100% every snap, every play. He's unfazed, right? We, 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 <laughs> I feel so profound right now. We've always looked at it and said, what is it about Tom? Because he's not the best quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is clearly a better quarterback in terms of playing ability. I mean, you can go through just about every quarterback in the NFL. He's pretty accurate, timing, rhythm, intelligence, all that stuff. I really think it's the grit. And I know you're probably getting tired of me saying it. I'm getting tired of saying it myself. I really think that's it. You know how tenacious that guy is. He will not stop. You never feel comfortable, no matter how big your lead. As long as there's time on the clock, you know he's coming at 100%. He's never going to slow down. 
You're never going to tire him out. You're never going to make him depressed or worried or scared or flustered. You can sack him, and now it's third and 19. And rather than him panicking and being like, I don't know what to do, he's just going to play. He's going to go. He's just, he's a robot. He's an absolute robot. And the Packers need more of that. And, and Aaron Rodgers, for all that he is, he's, he's sort of the anti-Tom Brady. He is the most physically gifted quarterback I've ever seen. His arm talent, everything is absolutely perfect. The problem with Aaron Rodgers is he breaks down. When things aren't going right, when the offensive line breaks down, when the when guys aren't doing running the right routes, he gets flustered, he gets upset, he he starts breaking down. And and the team always follows. I've always been amazed by that. When Aaron Rodgers starts playing poorly, the defense starts playing. Why? Why does the defense care? Because they all follow the leader. And and so far, and we've even seen it with Aaron Rodgers a couple times. Even though he gets upset and he gets flustered, you've seen it a couple times where I'm starting to panic. And I'm like, dude, this is bad. It's now third and 12. There's no way. And the camera will pan to Rodgers, and he just kind of gives a look, kind of pumps his hands like, all right, we got this. Everything's fine. And it's like, where did that come from? Where is this version of Aaron Rodgers coming from? The we're fine, we got this. I don't know, but we need it. Finally, maybe finally, I think somebody snuck a question in here. Let's see. Ah, JJ did. All right, Brian says, uh, who do you dislike more, the Pats or the Cowboys, and who will you be rooting for this weekend? I dislike the Patriots more. However, despite my dislike of the Patriots, the logical part of the brain acknowledges that the Cowboys are a very real threat and they need to lose games. It's important for us for the Cowboys to lose. It is irrelevant whether the Patriots win. So I just genuinely dislike the Patriots. Um, as far as Packer fans go, I'm really sort of indifferent to the Cowboys. They don't bother me. They have not been relevant since the 90s. It just it doesn't matter to me anymore. I wouldn't say I like them because I don't, but I don't have this deep-seated hatred like a lot of Packer fans and probably other fan bases do. Um, I mean, the, the, the Patriots were the Cowboys on crack for like triple the amount of time, won way more Super Bowls, championships, games, for way longer, way more obnoxious, way I mean, to everything. And um, yeah, I dislike the Patriots more, but I will take the Patriots over the Cowboys. Finally, JJ says, thoughts on Rodgers' play this season. He felt elite against San Francisco as good as any point in 2020. Besides that game, he's felt well like 2019 Rodgers. I wouldn't take it quite that far, but kind of. And again, it's, it's that weird, it's kind of that weird thing where 2019, 2018, some of those other points where Rodgers just doesn't look good, it's, it's, he has bad games or bad, you know, most of the games, bad seasons, whatever you want to call it. This is one of those things where you'll see a bad throw or a, or a bad interception or whatever it is. And you think, oh no, don't do this to me. And he'll just bounce back. You know, it's, it's, it'll be a bad series where Rogers is just doing dumb stuff. He's not throwing to the check down. He overthrows that guy. And then he does something, you know, three plays in a row, it's three and out because Rogers did three things really stupid. And you're thinking, this is going to be a terrible game because Rodgers is way off. And then on the next series, Rodgers comes out and he launches a 40-yard dime to Devontae and just executes all the way down the field. So I wouldn't take it as far as 2019. It's it's a step down from 20. It, it feels, to me anyways, it feels like a version of Aaron Rodgers I've never really seen um, in that he's not, he's not, I think I even said this before, he feels human. He just feels like a really good quarterback right now that makes mistakes. Whereas before it was Aaron Rodgers is either perfect, flawless, no mistakes, best quarterback in football, or hot garbage. And right now it's just a, a 
very good quarterback that just has some like what the heck was that kind of throws. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off on that, but it, it just it, it feels like there's a slightly different thing there, and I think it gives me a little bit of hope. Just because if nothing else, he fights back, just like everybody else. He's he doesn't just he's not just off. He's not just done for the day. And and we haven't really seen a game where he's just getting blown up and the offensive line is terrible. All right, if that happens, maybe he's done again. But at at, at the very least, even when games are relatively even keel and we're still kind of in control and he has a little bit of time to operate, even if he has a bad drive or bad two drives or bad three drives, when the game's on the line, when we get down to it, he kind of digs deep. He does his mind belt with with Devontae and and gets into it and says, guys, we're going to win this game. And they go down and they execute and we win the game. And I'll take that. I'll take that version of Aaron Rodgers. Would I prefer 2020? Yeah, I'll take 2020 because that guy's flawless. But I don't expect 2020. So maybe second best is he's human, but he, he executes when it matters. But anyways, uh, we'll take a break here. I do want to look at just one quick thing on the other side of the break. Shouldn't take too long, but probably will because I said it wouldn't take long. But uh, again, if you want to support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. But again, the single most beneficial thing you can do if you, if you ever cared about me ever in your life, tell a friend. Tell a friend about the Packernet podcast. Let them know if they're interested. If they don't know about podcasts, hook them up. You're going to be changing their life just with that small thing alone. They should be listening to podcasts because everybody likes podcasts. Maybe it'll be like me, start listening to audiobooks and not being a dummy your whole life. I'm digging the audiobooks, man. I am. You, you kind of find your groove. You find what you're into. I, f- I found out my thing is biographies. Maybe I'll branch out. I, I, I like nonfiction in general, but there's something about biographies that I really like. I think what it is, it's kind of one of those, there's a, there's a couple cliche, dumb little sayings like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, there's another one, something to the, it's not really a saying, it's a statistic, but your income will be within 10% of your, of this or that. Pe- the, the point is though, it's, it's like, you're going to be who you hang around with. And because I have very little friends, and um, it gives me the opportunity to pump into my ears audiobooks and hang out with people who are super rare, people that just have a completely different mindset. And those are just people I hang out with now, Goggins and Musk and whatnot. And again, fully acknowledging I'm never going to be them, it's still sort of a, a different way of viewing the world. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of, you grow up in a certain environment and that's just sort of the environment that you view the world through but I'm putting myself in a different area you know I've been hanging out in Silicon Valley for the last few days walking around the Tesla um, factories with people working 23 hour days and so for example today I'm not throwing an absolute fit because it's 8 17 and I want to go to bed so I can get six hours of sleep I'm saying if you want to build this so what if you get five and a half or four or three are you gonna die what are you going to do? Are you going to die? No, I think you'll be fine. So anyways, again, that's for me, some people who care. I'm just explaining why I think I like the biography stuff. Also, if you're into that and um, you have some ideas, hit me with it. I've got a huge list, but I'm very open because some of these are kind of dumb. I mean, just the way it's written and all that stuff, it, it's going to make it better or worse. There's a lot of rich people out there that have, you know, lost sleep. I mean, that's cool, but the story gets old. But if you got some good ones, hit me up. How do we get on this topic? I have no idea. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As an update, uh, JJ is still the only person that liked that tweet, and he retweeted it. So he actually loved the tweet. Everybody else is looking at it like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> oh, I need more of that. I, I need more of that in my life. Anyways, what I wanted to look at, I mentioned yesterday how, um, you know, I had a question. Essentially, somebody was kind of panicked about how poorly we rank in certain categories, especially defensively, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you know, if you remove week one, which is somewhat unfair because, you know, other teams have one bad week that you could remove and it changes everything, but let's just do it anyways, just to give a different perspective in terms of what have the Packers done in the last four weeks. So I did that. I looked at how does the Packers rank with everybody from weeks two through five. And as you'd expect, it paints a slightly different picture. As was mentioned yesterday, the Green Bay Packers right now rank 13th on offense and 19th on defense in terms of points, which again, obviously not very flattering. But a lot of that is due to the fact that we lost 38-3 to week one. If we eliminate that game and we just look at weeks two through five, the Green Bay Packers in terms of points are rated eighth right now, top 10. On defense, the Green Bay Packers rank 11th, nearly top 10. Not exactly world-beating, But the other um, cool way to look at it is point differential, which is to say the the difference between how much you're beating people by and how many points you're giving up, or or how many points you score compared to how much you're giving up, which is how much you're generally beating people by. In other words, it's looking at a combined metric of how good your offense is and how good your defense is. With that, the point differential, the Green Bay Packers are ranked fifth, Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa, Arizona, and then Green Bay. Looking at both offensive and defensive health, I guess. How good is your offense and defense combined? Fifth. Of those top teams, by the way, all of them, with the exception of Tampa, are 4-0, which is to say Buffalo, Dallas, Arizona, and Green Bay all lost. Their only loss came week one. It's kind of interesting. Well, that's not true. Arizona hasn't lost, but you you get what I'm saying. Uh, Packers are also just running through a couple different stats. They're sixth in, um, well, actually tied for fifth 
in passing touchdowns, uh, tied for second least amount of interceptions with one. Tampa's the only one with less with zero. They're tied with Cleveland at one. In terms of passer rating, they're second behind only Dallas at 114.7. Remember, again, this is weeks two through five. Um, running the ball even, which even we're acknowledging that the Packers have not done as good of a job as they should, largely because of the offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, uh, with running the ball. But even still in the last four weeks, 12th, which is not bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's not up to our standard, granted. But, I mean, we don't rank 20th in like any category. We're top 10, top half at least in just about every category that you can find uh, with 460 yards. Dallas again at the top, 804. Uh, Green Bay Packers are the second least penalized team after the LA Rams with only 16 penalties. So discipline, third least penalty yards. Uh, They rank fifth in third down conversions at rate at 50%. Only uh, Kansas City, Atlanta, Dallas, and Buffalo are ahead of us. Uh, Looking at the defense as far as passing, they're rated 14th in terms of passing yards given up. They're actually fourth in interceptions. They got five picks in the last four weeks. Only Buffalo, Dallas, and New Orleans are ahead of us right now. That's a pretty cool stat. They are eighth in sacks with 10 sacks given up. Uh, Rams, Patriots, Jets, Vikings, Bills, Cleveland, and Chicago is number one. Are the only ones ahead of us. Bears have 17 sacks. And uh, passer rating against... 86.9, 10th best passer rating against a defense. Um, 86.9 is pretty solid, especially considering Jair being out, et cetera, et cetera. If you look at rushing yards, maybe most incredibly, because again, that's a big concern of a lot of people. We need to do better as far as rushing. The Packers are the fourth best in terms of rushing yards, only 340 yards in the last four weeks. Only Buffalo, Cleveland, and Tampa are better, tied for 12th with four rushing touchdowns given up. And just because it's fun, and I know the Packers always dominate this category, second quarter score, the Green Bay Packers are second, scoring 47 points in the second quarter. Only Washington is ahead of us with 48. I don't know what it is about the second quarter. Packers always dominate the second quarter. Um, In the other quarters, though, probably could use some help. They're 11th in the first quarter with 17 points. Seventh, I guess, in the third quarter, which isn't bad, 27 points. And then fourth quarter, the Green Bay Packers are 23rd scoring 23 points. Fourth quarter is when most teams really pour it on, which I guess makes sense, whether you're, whether it's garbage time score or uh, comebacks or whatever. Tampa, 54 points in the fourth quarter. The Chargers, 52. But anyway, second quarter is always, it's always a lot of fun. Conversely, the third quarter is when the Packers defense does the best. They've given up seven points in the last uh, four weeks, which is somehow fifth. Uh, the Raiders have given up zero, Buffalo's given up zero, Cincy's given up three, Tennessee's given up six, we've given up seven. So the third quarter is when everybody sucks, I guess. I don't know what, I guess coming out of halftime, everyone's tired, I don't know what's going on. And then everyone ramps it up in the fourth quarter. It's weird. It's interesting, though. I don't know if anybody else cares, but I find it interesting. But anyways, I just wanted to run through that again, just to give a little bit of insight. Um, I know the numbers aren't great, and it's same with PFF. You know, you look at the overall whatever. And it's, yeah, it's because there was one really bad game lingering out there for for a lot of guys, including Aaron Rodgers uh, week one and a couple other guys. But um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, it's nice to look at. It's nice to be able to say so-and-so's number one, like Devontae or so-and-so's number two or three or four. But um, what really matters is who's going to show up in week six and what they're going to be in week six. And if, you know, week one doesn't have anything to do with week six, then we don't have anything to worry about. 
And we're going to start looking at that starting tomorrow, looking at the Chicago Bears and whatnot. I've, I've got a bunch of cool things that I've thought about, but we're not quite there yet. So we'll hopefully talk about that tomorrow. But otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.